Another Way to Play, episode 122. In Korea, it's relatively okay. The last uh, month and a half has been a bit challenging. Uh, so we've had to close twice. The first time was in towards the end of March, in the beginning of April. Uh, we had to close for two weeks. And then from thereafter, we had to um, put in you know, restrictions in place to, to run classes. Um, and then the government has uh, three levels of restrictions at the moment, which is stage one, stage two, and stage 2.5. I think they're trying to avoid stage three, which is total lockdown. This is Coach David Yo, and if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is another way to play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and as you know, I believe that your mindset and your ability to win in it is what determines your success or failure in life. We all know it takes an awful lot of fortitude to go after our dreams and to go after our goals and achieve them. But the guy I'm bringing on the show today really took this, in my opinion, to a whole nother level. He moved him and his wife from uh, Australia to South Korea to start an F45 franchise. If you don't know what that is, go check that out. But it is a gym franchise that is pretty cool, in my opinion. But he moved it into a country that didn't have one before, doesn't speak the language in, and has now been very successful in helping to open several of them and is on his track to opening over 10 gyms in the country when they didn't exist as recently as two years ago. Um, it's none other than David Yo. Uh, really excited to bring him on, talk about his journey um, through his high school days, all the way to how he decided to go to South Korea and try and really make a difference in the work-life balance and the view of fitness, which we talk about towards the very end of the show. So listen up for his thoughts there. But as you can imagine, being an English speaker, going all the way to uh, another country that has different traditions, religions, languages, all of that, a lot of challenges, and he's doing it successfully. So there's a lot of mindset um, and some other practical tips in this one as well. If you get some value out of this, head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review because it helps me grow the show, gives me some great feedback that I can continue to try and improve on um, and provide you with more value. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into it with David Yo. David. Thanks for being on the show today, man. It's uh, exciting to have you on. I think probably this is the biggest time zone difference I've had yet on the show. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate the uh, opportunity. It's uh, This is the first thing I did when I woke up and I've only been awake for about 15 minutes, so pretty fresh here. <laughs> right on. Well, maybe we need to get you another coffee here before we get going here. But thanks for being on the show, like I said, man. And um, yeah, well, like, why don't you just kick it off, man, and tell us kind of what you're doing now, where you're at, you know, and, and what you're building today. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we're at South Korea, and I'm in the middle of Seoul, been living here for about a year and a half, just over a year and a half. 
And uh, we started F45, uh, we brought it over from Australia, so that's where it started. And uh, the first one started off in Seoul, June 2019. As of today, we've, um, we've assisted a couple of other franchisees and now we're at five. So uh, it's been a pretty crazy year. But yeah, it's uh, it's been amazing. A lot of uh, a lot of learnings and a very steep learning curve. So you went from Australia. You brought this franchise into South Korea that that didn't have it before you you decided to bring it over, and and you moved your whole life, your family, all the way up to uh, South Korea, and and are are now moving the F forty five brand forward in that country. Yep, yep, that's that's exactly right. So uh, it sounds. It does sound like it's a lot. It is a lot. So kind of learning how to juggle everything, um, especially being in a country that uh, doesn't predominantly you know, speak a lot of English. So a lot of challenges, yeah. And I got to say, like, we all know, you know, just the thought of starting a business, even if it's a franchise where you have some of the systems pre-built, it's challenging, man. Like, and you decided to go move to the other hemisphere one and two to a non-English speaking country. So like, let's back up and let's talk about your journey and where it actually began and, and say how you, how you even decided to tackle that and, and how you got here. I think if I, if I take some time to reflect, uh, the, the turning point was back in high school. Um, I, I had a great time in high school and by that I meant like, I didn't learn much. Uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, hanging out with friends, a lot of taking days off school that were unwarranted. Um, and then it came to a point where it was just like, look, I got to do something with, with, um, with life. And I guess that switched in me a little quite early on. So it was my second last year of high school. And I decided, look, I've got to kick the, kick the group I'm hanging with, um, which was a tough decision and then uh, move schools and kind of just finish off pretty strong. So uh, I think that was the turning point for me. And was that a decision you made or were your parents or, you know, other people in your life pushing you to do that? Uh, it wasn't so much a push. I know that uh, they, they probably wanted it uh, in hindsight, but yeah, it was more of a, it was a decision by myself that I made. Was there, was there something other than just this sort of looking in the mirror moment? Because that's, that's a lot of like self-awareness to have as a 17, 18 year old. Look, I think that was pretty much it. It was uh, doing the same things day in, day out. I think coming home and, and my parents and uh, my siblings were, I guess you could say, quite disappointed or a bit bit sad at uh, what's, what's eventuated. So I think that all contributed to that mirror moment. And that's, that's really cool that you, you had that luckily at such a young age and then, and then more importantly did something about it. So pivoted into a new school. Was that for your, your last year, your senior year of high school? Yeah, the the final two years of the final year and a half. So yeah, pretty much the final year of, of high school. Got it. Yeah. So I imagine your school system calls it something different. But then so you, you literally switch schools, switch friend groups, all of that stuff. And what was different after that? Like how did you face life differently after after the shift? I think I, I seem to provide myself with very, very like bipolar challenges. So I would switch from, you know, something that's totally hot to something totally cold. So I think that's kind of where it started. Um, and that's probably why I did what I did with, um, with this F45 uh, in South Korea. It's, it's a very big step. It's not a lot, it's not a, it's not a challenge or a, a step a lot of people would take. And that's kind of what drives me. Yeah. So just the fact that it, like that practice, that exercise of going and doing something completely different 
and stepping 100% out of the version of your life that you were in previously and into this new one um, is, it sounds like what probably prepped you to, to take this step to South Korea with F45. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, it kind of excites me a lot, like just doing something that is good. And when you, like when you finished up high school, what then? Like how did, how did you find your way to this franchise specifically and, and, and all of that? Or were there steps in between? Or like how did you, how did you get there? Uh, my first job, I, I, I worked at a bank and I stayed within the, the same banking group for about six, seven years. So um, starting off as like an like online teller. Um, and I had a, quite a few friends um, that I made at work and got into like the, the health and fitness, the gym, um, the gym scene. So really enjoyed that. And I think after about three or four years, um, I moved to a, another facet of the bank. And that's when I kind of met another fella. Um, and we talked a lot. And it was, um, there was a point where we said, look, what we're doing in the bank, which was growing businesses for our clients. So all of our clients were medical professionals. So we, we kind of saw, look, this is what they did from graduation through to doing their residency and then starting their own business. And it was, it was very exciting to grow their business, but we couldn't see, we couldn't see ourselves doing that forever. And we always thought, look, it'd be great if we could do something with the knowledge we have for ourselves and tailor that with the gym aspect. So we love the gym. We love the community bring and kind of the, the walls it broke down. Um, everyone at the gym is just like, you, you know, there's no social segregation. There's no you know social status there. So we, we opened up a business where we, where we built communities within gyms in corporate and, and, and residential facilities. So that, that was about a year and a half of uh, like a startup business that we, that was a very, very steep learning curve. Um, and I wouldn't call it, yeah, I wouldn't call it a failure, but yeah, there was, um, it wasn't to where we wanted it to be in, at, at 18 months. Got it. So you, you see, you, you get this inspiration from, uh, from these medical professionals that you were, you were managing their money or helping them make business decisions in some capacity. And that's really the kick that, that got you into the entrepreneurship world. Yep. 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 That was it. And, and I love that you tried you kind of put together the business skills with something you were already passionate into in the sense of the gym like did you find that when you turned your passion in this case into a business did it like did you stop going to the gym did you did you start you know seeing it as more of a business and less of a hobby like how or or did you just love it even more at that point i love it even more i still go to this day so i get my four or five days a week at the gym um, and you know, now it's only 45 minutes, so a lot quicker than it used to be. And yeah, I mean, in the time since then, I've learned a lot. So, you know, pursuing different goals in the gym and, uh, yeah, just really, really enjoying it. So that, um, I mean, I still, I still coach to this day just for fun. So yeah, it's still a passion of mine. Awesome. So where does F45 come into the mix? You, you started this thing, this startup venture, 18 months go by. It's not quite what you want it to be, but you, you're, you're out there learning, you're getting after it. Was it full-time at that point or, or was it still a side hustle? No, no, it was full-time at that time. So that was for a year and a half. And towards the tail end, um, my business partner and I were looking at pivoting and that, that meant for us, look, how about we look at opening up an F45 in, in Sydney? But unfortunately, in Sydney, it was all the, whole, the entire market was saturated. So 
with F45, they give you geographical territories, and that was all taken up in Sydney. So it wasn't an option for, for us to jump into one there. But after taking a holiday in South Korea, we go, we go every year to visit my wife's parents. You know, I thought, look, if we were going to do a business or move to South Korea, I'd like to do a business there. And, and what, what could I do there? So I kind of looked at the gym scene simply because that was my passion. And we found, look, um, in, in South Korea, the, the main health services were just like the normal personal training gyms, uh, CrossFit or, or Pilates. So there was a very big gap for um, like small group training, which was F45. So that's where that started. And that was back in October 2018 that we kind of sussed that out. How do you go about I mean, I, I think everyone can kind of understand the concept of a franchise, right? Like you, you buy, they're all different, but you buy into this franchise and you get sort of a, for lack of a better term, all these standard operating procedures and manuals and ways of doing things. But you went into a country that literally didn't have any yet. And, and did they have to like translate everything and create new materials from scratch for you? And like, how, how did that entire process go? Look, I think, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot more challenging opening up an F45 in South Korea than than it was in Sydney. I think yeah, it's it's such a new franchise. It's uh, 2012 was when it started, so it's only been eight years, and they haven't really you know, penetrated the foreign market. They're very big in 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 states, in Australia, and in the UK, but in in South Korea, being the first one. A lot of the responsibilities were on us. So what they really provided us with was the systems for the workouts, which was the the televisions, and a lot of uh, a lot of content and a lot of um, uh, systems were in English. So a lot of translating was was done on our behalf, um, and a lot of tweaking and localizing. So there's, there was a lot of extra work we had to do, and by we I mean my wife. So I don't I don't speak <laughs> Korean. I read. So a lot was on my wife. Yeah. When you, because it's just culturally, right? Like I've been to South Korea a handful of times and it's a city that personally, for whatever reason, as a Westerner, like I can walk there and sort of understand how it works. But I've been many places in Asia where I'm like, I'm completely freaking lost. Like, I don't, I don't know how this works. This is so different from, you know, the way just of the vibe and the spirit of a city works. But yet there are still huge cultural differences. Like, how do you... How do you go about taking something that was sort of tailored for an English-speaking world and and take it into a place like that? There was a, there was a lot of trial and error. So for us, um, our when we opened up, our goal was to always target the local market. It was never to target the expat market because the expat market would eventually find us and come because they would either know what the workout is or um, or the concept. Um, so yeah, it was for us. It was about it was about getting my wife very involved in the business and hiring local uh, local Korean um, trainers so that kind of bridged the gap and ideally they would speak a bit of English so there's a there was a lot of communication issues at the beginning um, and now it's now it's a bit better um, the staff we've hired they do speak English so um, after localizing content and localizing and tweaking the way we we kind of run the classes and how we market the classes um, yeah it's starting to definitely pick up now Seeing as you you sort of stepped into a, a fitness scene that really didn't have the small group training, like 
how did you have to market this thing differently? Uh, was there like an education component to what you were doing or, or w- what was different than what you may otherwise have done if you opened something up in a, an F45 up in a, in a different geography? Yeah, so the educational piece, that's still something we're working with uh, till this day. CrossFit made it pretty big here back in 2012 and they had a few issues. So CrossFit has this stigma with being very injury prone and also there was a very large CrossFit brand here that was um, that didn't have a great reputation. So when people come to uh, stop by 45 or at one of our studios, they always say, oh, look, um, is this CrossFit? Or, um, you know, they all ask questions about, oh, are you staying around for a long time? Is it a strong brand? So there's a few things that we have to kind of work through. And um, the best way to do that is really get them in, do the one-week free trial or get them to watch a class and then explain the differences to them. Um, and then, you know, it's, yeah, they understand after a while, but it, it is an educational piece and there's a gap. Absolutely. So, so you were almost, you were competing not only against the sort of the language barrier, but the stigma that this, this particular CrossFit um, brand had created in the marketplace and obviously overcoming it successfully. So, you know, you, you opened that first gym and then how quickly was it until the second one hit? Uh, yeah, so we opened in June 2019, and the second one, which was our, one of our members, uh, she opened one in April 2020, so, oh, yeah, about 10 months later, so it was pretty quick, in my my opinion, um, and then from there, we opened our second one ooh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, and then a couple of other members of uh, the snowboard, so, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so clearly it's taking taking foot and like some of your tribe, some of your people are are wanting to continue to run with it. COVID, obviously that came up so you know in the last 6 months and and shut down uh gyms and and here in California they're just now starting to allow gyms open again. Um the one that I was going to is back to like 10% capacity I think starting in the next week or two. Uh this is as of early October. What's it like in Korea and how have you how have you handled the COVID factor? In Korea, it's relatively okay. The last uh, month and a half has been a bit challenging. Uh, so we've had to close twice. The first time was in towards the end of March and the beginning of April. Uh, we had to close for two weeks. And then from thereafter, we had to um, put in you know, restrictions in place to, to run classes. Um, and then the government has uh, three levels of restrictions at the moment, which is stage one, stage two, and stage 2.5. I think they're trying to avoid stage three, which is total lockdown. So uh, the second time we did it, um, it was a bit more severe, the, the wave, and we felt it a lot more, uh, probably being um, the fact that we had two studios. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's really about, with the government, it's quite decentralized. So it's about understanding what the what the local government or our local council are trying to do with the, with the restrictions and then working around that. So yeah, we, with the restrictions, they would just say all gyms closed. Or they would yeah, they'd have a very blanket rule. So we they they might say, for example, all all group training closed, but all traditional gyms can open. So we're trying to because we don't fit in the categories of either. We're kind of cross between the both. We have to you know really understand and work with the local council, see what restrictions we can put in place or changes that allow us to open our facilities um, for our members. Interesting. So so the, there's just 
a whole gamut of challenges and, and things that you're facing, just learning the local laws and the, the way the decentralized decision-making plays into this, as well as, you know, literally getting people in the door and translating the concept into their language and their culture and what have you. Through this process of being somewhat involved in now five gyms, you know, what are some of your big takeaways as a, as an entrepreneur and as someone who is um, going out and just starting a business, basically, what have you learned um, that going forward, you hope to apply to some of your, your next facilities or your next ventures? I think um, for me, it's, it's really about patience. Typically, if you open up an F45 in, in Australia, you would open up with, you know, 100, 150 or 200 pre-sold memberships. And, and that allows you to kind of open the doors from day one and be at a profit, um, which gives you a lot of security, gives you a lot of ability, ability to plan. And obviously, um, having funds helps you to kind of run the facility and keep it open. For our first studio, we opened with zero members. So it was a bit, it was a bit, uh, a bit stressful at that time, um, but kind of, yeah, just opening up members trickling in and then building genuine relationships with each of our members was, was uh, what we did. And we did it quite well because a lot of the members that we originally started with are still with us. And a lot of the members that we started with, they're the ones that asked us if they can back our second project. So that's the second gym that is um, partially invested by our original members. Got it. And so the, your strategy is different than the typical one relative to opening with no pre-sold memberships. Like that obviously requires some level of a cash position to like sustain you for a handful of months, right? Is that something that, that you planned for? Or is that just like, like, how did you sort of decide to, to swallow that pill, if you will? Cause it's, I mean, I imagine the first handful of months you were burning some cash pretty aggressively to, to just keep the lights on and keep the doors open so that people could find you. Right. Like how did you sort of strategically plan for that and, and, and figure that one out? Yep, yep. So the first three to six months, um, we did uh, plan for the first six months to have um, no members. But yeah, when reality hits and you actually have no members, it's uh, it's a little different to you know what you put in the plan. So um, really looking at each each week as it goes by and trying to build on that, so that by the end of six months you you are you are making a profit. That's um, yeah, it's it's a lot different to what you put in the plan and what you cast. Yeah. So. So you, it sounds like you really protected against your, your downside. Like if worse comes to worse and not a single person signs up for six months, we can, we can sustain that. And you built your plan off of that as opposed to hoping for the best. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Always planning for that um, worst case scenario and then hoping for the best. And, and going back to the COVID question, was that a clear, I'm sure no one knew this was coming very, I mean, very few of us, if any knew, but is that something that you kind of run your business philosophy on? You always kind of protect your downside and protect like the worst case scenario you can come up with, or how do you like to run your, your enterprise? Yep. So definitely having um, con contingency plans for worst case scenarios. Um, definitely. Yeah. That's a must. Um, and then having um, reserve cash flow aside, obviously to um, protect in those instances. So, yeah, making sure you have your backside covered. That is, yeah, 100% correct. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, and then as far as the future, I mean, before we were recorded, you, you're you continuing to want to open up, I think, some more territories in South Korea and, and really, really 
sort of charge forward with this brand in that country. Um, what is that looking like for you and how are you tackling that? Um, at the moment, we've, uh, with, with headquarters, we've managed to secure another five territories. So in the, next, uh, in the next two years, we've committed to opening up five more. So that'll be at least three more within Seoul and then a couple in, in Busan, which is the second largest city in South Korea. And then from there, we'll have to see how it goes. But our, our grand goal is at least 10 studios in, in, in five years. So yeah, by 2024, we'll hopefully have uh, 10 studios. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, good luck to you on it. Um, and and before we transition to the last part of the show, because I know you're just getting your day started, but I wanted to to ask you, like, you just like you you really, in my mind, like put a lot of obstacles in front of yourself to be successful. Frankly, you went into a new country where you you didn't know the language or the culture. You started with a franchise that didn't have a roadmap in that country. Um, but yet here you are aiming to get to 10 studios open in the next handful of years. Like what is like one piece of advice if you had to try and distill it down that you could give to somebody who's just trying to get themselves started or, or grow their, their own business um, that you've learned through that effort? I think um, planning. Planning is one of the most important things you got to do. A lot of the times it does sound like and make rash decisions um, and very, very large decisions, but they're all part of like a long-term plan. So I would typically plan, you know, five, 10 years uh, in advance. It might be quite a loose plan or more of an intention. And then I'd break it down, you know, you know, nine years, eight years down to, to what it will have to look like on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, having quick wins that you do on a day-to-day basis that build into your weekly goals, to your monthly goals, quarterly goals, um, something that you can track and something that you review quite quite often so you're making sure that you're on, on track or you need to you know, calibrate your goals again. So planning is one of the most important things that you've got to do and you've got to be able to you know, also be quite flexible. That's uh, fantastic advice. I love the idea of reverse engineering and, and distilling it down to the simple. The simplicity always wins in that, that case. So David, man, I appreciate you. With with that, I want to transition to the last section of the show called the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Yep, let's go. So first question, what book have you gifted most often? It would be How to Win Friends and Influence People, that Dale Carnegie. Gifted that a couple times to my staff and also yeah, to, my, to my siblings. <laughs> that is a good one. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? It would be uh, Jesus. So I'm, I'm a Christian by faith. I think he's the wisest fellow to set foot on this earth, and he would have the answer to probably every question I have. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? Probably my why to come into career and starting at 45. It was a very big transition. Um, I think a lot of people don't understand what I want to do and to what extent. Um, and even so, it's, it's, quite, it's quite odd. Yeah. And, and what is your why? Um, my why to come to Korea and start at 45 is to, is to change the health, um, health and fitness lifestyle here. It's very outward focused and very vain. And also to change the work-life balance here, which is so South Korea's got one of the highest um, working, working week hour, working week in terms of hours um in the world i love that man that's super cool give us a glimpse of your morning routine uh, i imagine your morning doesn't normally involve being on a podcast with us so i appreciate that but what does a normal one look like for you 
Um, I, I love routine. I love it. So when it when it doesn't happen, it, it itches me a bit. <laughs> so I'll typically wake up around around seven, um, but that depends on when my daughter comes in and, and you know kicks my face in and, and runs all over the place. But I'd wake up. Um, I'd have my my three whole eggs and three egg whites, and my four pieces of toast, a bowl of cereal, and my coffee, um, and then head to work thereafter. Um, get a workout in, and then the day starts. Awesome, man. What if someone's in Korea, they want to hear more about um, your gym, come in and visit, do a workout. Where can they find about about you, your gyms, whatever's going on online? Right. Um, Instagram is a place to be in South Korea. So you can find us on F45 underscore training underscore Gangnam or you know, F45 underscore training underscore Yoksam, which is our two studios at the moment. Cool. Well, we will drop those down into the show notes, guys, so it's easy to find. Um, you can connect on Instagram there. David, man, appreciate you being on and, and spending part of your morning with us. Have a good rest of your day, and thanks for sharing some uh, great insight. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Hans. Good to speak to you. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with David, I've got both his Instagram accounts linked up down below. You can check out what they're doing in their um, two gyms that they have open and watch them grow. Um, and obviously, next time you're traveling through Seoul, South Korea, hit him up, go for a workout. Um, great guy. You're going to want to know him. So, um, and if you want to connect with me, uh, I'm on Instagram at Chief Sna. Uh, so we can connect there and that's all linked up down in the show notes. So thank you so much for tuning in. This has been another episode of Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina, and remember to make every chapter better than the last.